All right, I want you to imagine that you're on the street and you see a man and all of a sudden he's like, and he sticks out his tongue like a weirdo and you're like, what? And all of a sudden, you guys ever seen like a dog on a leash? It's like this man's being dragged around by his tongue. That'd be very strange. Like if like somehow his tongue had a magnet in it and it was being pulled this way and that, you'd be like, that is weird. I don't want to see a man like walking around like, "Mm," like that is very, very strange. It is. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be strange? You'd be weirded out. It'd be very scared. Well, James calls this chapter the untamable tongue. Like, think of like a wild animal, like on the loose, like roaming the prairie, except it's a tongue. It's kind of a weird picture. Yeah, I'd be grossed out. Just this like crazy tongue, like, <laughs> like hopping through the desert, trying to lick me to death. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's look at verse 3. Or no, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. When I was a kid, I stuttered a lot. Does anyone ever hear, ever stutter, or ever had a problem stuttering? I was just like... Poor- I was like Porky Pig. I'd walk up to a cute girl. I'd be like, hi. I just would be stuttering all over the place. And it's talking about here stumbling over your words, saying if there's someone out there who doesn't stumble on their words, they're pretty much the perfect man, the perfect man, ladies. No, there is no one who does that. There's no one who doesn't stumble over their words. That's the point James is trying to make. He's trying to say, Everyone stumbles over their words. If someone didn't, they would be the perfect human being, but we all make mistakes with our words. Who here feels like they make mistakes with their words? They say stupid things. They're always like eating their foot. You know what I'm talking about? Said something stupid. Insert foot into mouth. Just taste the agony of defeat. Get it? Defeat? Um, Let's look at verse 3. It says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn the whole body. When I rode horses, it was terrible. Who, who here rides horses ever? Anybody? Okay. I was dead sure that that horse wanted to kill me. Like, I think, I think horses, there's some people, they walk over and they're just like, nice horse, pretty horse, I love this horse. I walk over to a horse and it's like, I will kill you and eat your grave. I, like, horses don't like me. <laughs> don't ask how you eat a grave. Um, it's talking about those little things they stick in horses' mouths. They're like little pieces of metal, and you shove it in there, and you put some strings on it. And basically, you can be riding this big, giant, massive beast of an animal, which is a horse, but it's this tiny little piece of metal in its mouth, and you pull the reins, and that piece of metal forces the horse to steer in a different direction. Or in verse 4, it says, look also at ships, just giant boats. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder whenever the pilot desires. It's like you've got these giant Titanic ships, just huge boats, but then you've got these tiny little pieces of metal that just steer the boat. The guy turns the steering wheel, yo-ho, and all of a sudden there's a little piece of metal in the back that kind of goes swish sway, swish sway, and that's what steers the boat. I think of, you guys ever seen any movies with giant robots? You guys ever seen any giant, like, did you guys see Pacific Rim? Anybody? So you've got, it was, it really was. Brooklyn and I watched it, and by the end we were like, wait, so 
there's these giant robots fighting Godzilla's cousins, and all of a sudden, like, these giant robots are controlled by two men who, like, share their childhood memories. That's a weird concept. Like, awesome. It'd be like, let's strap into this robot and then think about when we were four. Whoa, memory power. It was a weird movie. But it, basically, I'm talking about giant robots controlled by tiny little people. Now, in verse 5, it says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. The tongue is a tiny little thing in your mouth. Does anyone here have like a giant tongue? No? Yeah, not, it's, not, it's not that big. Like, I don't think anyone has a tongue that's bigger than their hand. That would just be bizarre. That would be weird. If you had a tongue that was the size of a foot and it came out of your mouth, I'd be like, go back to whatever planet you came from. Um, Oh, yeah, they're, they're weird. They're a, little, they're a little special. Verse 5 says, Even so, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest fire, or see how great a forest a little fire burns. That's a really important verse. Read that. Verse 5, the end of verse 5. See how great a forest a little fire burns. See, if I go out... And I have a little match, right? It's a tiny little bit of fire. But what happens if I throw it in the woods? The whole woods will catch on fire. Now, I can start out with this tiny little bit of fire. Now, it's, it's like if I'm going to burn down the woods, I don't need to take a flamethrower and just go whoosh and like burn the entire woods. No, I can take one little match, and with one little match, I can burn down the entire woods. Well, in verse 6, says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. I like to say a world of hurt. If some of you guys could stop talking, you know who you are. I love you all, but if you could stop. Um, verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, a world of hurt. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Okay, words can cause hurt. Who thinks that? You ever heard, like, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me? It's not true. That's stupid. I remember when I was in sixth grade out by the dodgeball courts, and I was wearing my blue Calvary Lions PE shorts, and my friend, my friend, Mike Baca came out to me, Michael, uh, and he said, it was a different Michael, but uh, he said, you've heard this before, but Aaron, your legs are the size of two Christmas hams. That hurts. Like this skinny punk comes over to me, a kid who's struggling with his weight in junior high, and he tells me that. I mean, that was so mean. Sticks and stones, I would have rather have been hit by a stick or a stone. Now, it says here in verse 6, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles our whole body. Okay? So think of it this way. Like, you might think when you're using your tongue in a way you shouldn't. And what I mean by that is when you're gossiping, when you're lying, I mean, all these things come out of our mouth. All these things are from our tongue, okay? Like you can't really communicate that well without your tongue. I think if we didn't have tongues, we wouldn't really be that good at lying. Try talking without your tongue right now. Everyone try talking It'd be stupid. Can you guys do the one where you talk without moving your teeth like this? Hey guys, how's it going there? Okay. So we need our tongue. We need our tongue to communicate effectively. 
Now, if I go to a wood chipper, if I go into a wood chipper, just think, just imagine this. If I go into a wood chipper and I'm like, you guys know what a wood chipper is? It chips wood. It's pretty intense. What if I was like, I'm gonna stick my tongue in the wood chipper. <laughs> and if I did that, imagine, I'm like, it's okay. I'm just gonna lose my tongue. But then I stick my tongue in the wood chipper and it rips my entire body in there and I get, I get chipped up like a bunch of wood. This is what happens. Sometimes we use our words in ways that we shouldn't use them and we think, oh, it's just my words. It's just something I said. It's just, it's stupid. It's just words. It's, it, it's not gonna hurt anyone. It's not gonna do anything. But the Bible says that it will defile our entire body. Now, gossip is a big one. Some of you guys have struggled with this. Some of you guys have struggled with this and gotten better, and I'm very proud of you. Um, but gossip is one of those things where um, it, it just, I remember I was talking to this one kid about gossip, and they were like, when I gossip, it just feels like there's this uncontrollable force inside me where I have to do it. And that's the way the tongue is. It, the tongue is this, this evil little thing inside of us where it's like, I must do bad things. I, it like takes over and makes us do things that we shouldn't do. We can go on and we can talk about people and we can talk about them behind their back. And I've done it before. I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm an adult, but I'm human. There's times where I get a piece of information that's just so good. It's like, oh, I've got to tell somebody. Someone needs to know about this information. And I'll tell them, and then you know what happens? They tell somebody else, and I'm like, please don't tell them. How many of you guys have ever done that? You told someone, please don't tell anyone else. Next thing you know, everyone knows about it. Anybody? Yeah? I've been there. Gossip. Tiny force of evil. Here's another one. Rebellion. We do that with our tongue. Mom, dad comes to us and says, hey, you need to clean your room. What? I just cleaned it. What are you talking about? Mom, uh, stop telling me two things. We can rebel with our tongue. We, I mean, how many of you guys struggle with that, talking back to your parents? I did my whole life. You can be honest. Okay, so our parents tell us to do things. Our parents try to talk to us, and we can just talk back to them. And it's this rebellious attitude with our tongue. And it can really start fires. Gossip can start fires that can burn down people's whole lives. Rebellion can start fires. It's just things that we say, just little things with our tongue that we say, but it really can cause a big fire. You're not gonna cause a forest fire with your tongue by licking trees, unless you have like a crazy like fire tongue. Um, but you can cause a lot of hurt. I wanna tell you guys a story, okay? Here's a story. Uh, it's about a girl named Jenny, okay? So Jenny. Jenny was in seventh grade, and Jenny liked this boy named Robbie, okay? I don't know. So Jenny liked Robert, and Robert liked Jenny, but these guys, they were Christian kids, and they believed, you know, we shouldn't be in a relationship right now. We should wait. Like, we, we don't want to date. We don't want to kiss and do stuff like that. Like, we just... We want to set ourselves aside for God. So they kind of knew they liked each other. Uh, and, you know, some people kind of knew that, but they were being really good about it. They were being really respectful. They weren't doing anything inappropriate. So things were good. Well, one day, they're in the school hallway, and Jenny and Robert are walking next to one another. Well, Robert trips, and he spins around, whoa, and he totally lands face first, like, with Jenny. And their lips press together. And 
it was this accidental kiss and super awkward because these guys, I mean, they weren't like waiting for this to happen. Like it wasn't like Robbie, Robbie was like sneaking a kiss. Like this was totally on accident. Their faces blushed. They turned red. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Well, this girl, one of Jenny's friends named Susan saw this happen in the hallway and she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> They're kissing. Oh, this is and she starts freaking out. She starts telling people. And in her mind, she's like, well, maybe I shouldn't tell people because, I mean, they weren't there and they don't know the whole story. And, you know, I don't know what's going on. But she ends up basically going around and telling everyone, like, yeah, they were totally making out in the hallway. So now there's this rumor going around. And, I mean, it is just crazy. Like, people are coming up to Robin. They're like, hey, I heard you and Jenny were making out. It's like, no, what are you talking about? Where'd you hear that? And the rumor is just spreading. And then Jenny, g girls are coming like, oh, my gosh, you should date him. You should marry him. I heard you guys are making out. It's awesome. And it's just spreading around all over the place. And Jenny and Robert are just getting so bummed and so stressed out. And, you know, eventually they start avoiding each other. And eventually they're, they start, it's just, it gets really awkward between them. And they stop hanging out and they stop being around each other because they don't want to deal with the drama. But the rumors just kept getting worse and worse. And people just kept talking more about it. And then one day um, someone came up to Jenny and they're like, Jenny, I'm, I'm so sorry I heard the bad news. And she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, I heard that you're pregnant. And she's like, what? I'm not, like, what? Like, what? That's, it's crazy, though. It's crazy how much rumors can grow. They can start out as something really small, and before you know it, it's like, it's this crazy thing, like, when we hear rumors, there's something in us where it's like, I have to one-up the other person. Like, I have to play the telephone game and make this story that much bigger because I want to be cool and I want to spread it around. Well, Jenny ended up switching schools and just leaving everyone she knew because she was so ashamed of this false rumor that started out as something really small. And you know what? Maybe Robert and Jenny would have ended up together uh, in a godly way, but because of rumors, they got driven apart and they didn't see each other anymore. And it's a bummer. It's a bummer. I mean, it, it's that little match, that tiny little rumor that can start this huge fire that can really destroy people's lives. Now look at verse 7. It says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We tame animals. We tame lions. We tame bears. We could probably even tame snails. We could be like, you know, get some salt and be like, snail, do what I say or I will assault you with salt. Um, verse 8 says, but no man can tame the tongue. We can tame all these animals, but it says no man can tame the tongue. The tongue is just, it's this uncontrollable evil. And I think a lot of you guys are probably struggling with this because I remember struggling with it. I remember in junior high, lots of gossip, lots of drama, lots of disrespect toward my parents, lots of lying. I mean, really, the tongue is like the number one source of our sin a lot of times. We can be angry at people. We can treat people bad. We can gossip about people. In verse 8, it says, no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. So it's like a snake. It's like a viper. It's crazy. It's unpredictable. It's evil. And it's filled with poison. You can literally poison someone with your words. Someone can be having the greatest day, and you can be like, oh, you wore that? 
that's weird. <laughs> and it's just, it's like poison. It can hit someone like, oh my gosh, like I thought I'd look good today. Now my life is terrible. You can really mess people up with your words. If you're not careful with your words, if you're not thoughtful with your words, you can really tear people down. In verse 9, it says, with it, we bless our God. Read it, verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. And out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be so. It's saying we go to church and we're like, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And we're worshiping. And then we're like, like I love you, God. I hate you, Mildred. <laughs> I don't know who Mildred is, but your arch nemesis, Mildred. Uh, if anyone here is named Mildred, I'm sorry. But seriously, though, we can do that. We can be like, I love the Lord. And then we go home and it's like, mom, you're so annoying. Little brother, I hate you. Ugh. And we're just, we like, have this nastiness that can come out of our mouth, especially with our family members. That's the easiest place for the evil to come forth because we're so normal around our family. That's where our real sin nature, that's the number one thing I hear, especially from siblings about you guys. Sorry to rat out your siblings, but you know, I'll be like talking to one of your siblings. I'll just be like, they're just such great kids. They just love the Lord. I just love these kids. And they're like, have you seen them at home? They're crazy. I'm going to sell them to slavery into Egypt. Yes. Verse 11 says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? It's saying a stream, a fresh water stream, is that going to send fresh water and bitter water? No, think about it. It's a freshwater stream. It should only be sending fresh, clean, sparkling, amazing water. If that stream is also sending bitter water, then that is no good. I'll give you another example. In verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Think of it this way. It's like an orange tree is going to have oranges growing from it. If you go to an orange tree and it's got like one orange and then it, all the rest is like rotten bananas, you're going to be like, this tree defies the laws of nature. Like this is a weird tree. That's how we can be though. God has planned us to be godly. God has planned us to be loving. And we're the tree that's supposed to be bearing this nice, fresh, delicious fruit, but we've got maybe two or three oranges, and then the rest is just rotten bananas. Maybe we've got like, okay, this is my area where I worship God. This is my area where I'm kind to people, but then when I get home, that's where all my rotten bananas come out, and that's where I'm really mean and really terrible to people. But it's okay, because it's my family, and it's normal, and all teenagers are mean to their family, and all teenagers are disrespectful, and it's just part of growing up, and it's just part of what we do. We can think that, but it's not the right way to think, because when you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus, and it doesn't matter if you weren't saved and you gave your life to Jesus, or if you grew up in a Christian family, the point is you gave your life to Jesus at some point, and so he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for the kind of fruit that you're going to be bearing, and if you look at your life and it's very common for you to use your tongue in an angry way, in a lying way, in a gossiping way, then you're not bearing the fruit that God desires for you to bear. So I'm going to finish this up. I want you to look again at verse 8. It says, no man can tame the tongue. But you know who can? Not the man, but the God-man, Jesus. He's the only one who can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue, but Jesus in your life can really do some wonderful changes. I want you guys to think about this. The Bible says, you guys have heard it before, 
The Bible says use words that build people up, not words that tear people down. I think of it as use words that are life-giving. Use words that give people life, not words that give people death. And you guys have all heard those. Those words that just make you feel like someone stuck a dagger in you and twisted it. Those, those harsh words. We need to give life-giving words. Let me give you an example. Life-giving words, words that build people up, it's things like, I love you. I remember when my wife, the first time she told me that she loved me, it was the most amazing thing. It made me feel like I had like, like marshmallow butterflies in my stomach. Like it was fantastic. And that same feeling of just love, God says, you know what he says? He says that you guys, the disciples, and you are a disciple if you didn't know that. I don't care if you're in sixth grade, eighth grade, or 99 years old. If you follow Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that they will know who the disciples are by their love. And so, guys, you have this opportunity to tell people around you. Now, junior high boys, please don't tell junior high girls that you love them because uh, then, I mean, you might be like, oh, I love you. But they're thinking like, oh, we're getting married. I'm buying the dress right now. I'm getting the cake. It's going to be amazing. And they're, they're going to go off and uh, plan everything. Uh, and I don't know if you're ready for that level of commitment. Um, but what I will tell you is if we tell our friends that we love them, and if we tell our, if we tell our families that we love them, if you, if you go up and just like, Mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. Maybe that's something that you haven't said as much as you should. Maybe that's something that you haven't said and you know, just for no reason. Not because mom made a great meal, not because they bought you a toy. Oh, I love you, thanks for this iPhone. But just going to your parents and saying, I love you just because you're my mom. I love you just because you're my dad. What about I appreciate you? Everyone likes to feel appreciated. Everyone loves that feeling. You can give so much life to the people around you in your life if you tell them, my friend, I, I just appreciate you. I love who you are. You're such a great friend to me. You're so godly. You're such an amazing, loving friend. Or mom, dad, I appreciate so much. Thank you for the free food. Thanks for the clothes. I appreciate everything that you do. What about, what about uh, you look beautiful? Junior high boys, again, don't say this to girls. But girls, girls, like what if you more than you did looked at your friends and you said, hey, you're so beautiful. You're just, I love your outfit. I love your hair. And even more so, you're beautiful on the inside. Start noticing the beauty in the people around you and point it out. Guys, notice the awesome personality traits of the guys around you, you know? Be like, dude, you're the man. You're awesome. Bro, I love you, bro. Some of you guys are really good at this. Some of you guys are too good at this. Um, <laughs> You know, I remember there was this guy named Jason Yetz, um, and we were standing back there. He was a counselor uh, back when I was in junior high, and we were standing just right back there, and we were looking at the flyers on the wall. And he looks at me, and he's like, Aaron, you're an encourager. You just, you have an encourager's heart. That's awesome. And you know what? Ever since he said that, I've tried to encourage people even more. It stuck with me. It was this, this word that built me up. It was like, yes, I want to be an encourager. That's awesome. We can give life to people with our words, but we can also take life. Think about the words, I hate you. How many of you guys have you've heard that before? Maybe from a sibling, maybe from a friend, maybe someone who you thought was supposed to be a really good friend, and it's just that, that knife and that twist. Or maybe you hear from someone else that someone you thought your friend hates you. That's a really hard thing to hear. You know what we can really do? When we get in fights, especially with our family, and I hope, and, but I, I'm sure there's some of you here who have got to the point with your mom or your dad where you've yelled, I hate you, to them. 
And I, that's, it's so sad, but it's so easy for us to just use those words that tear people down. You might not think that saying those things to your parents is going to hurt them, but trust me, it really does hurt to hear your kids say that they hate you. Something we can say is, you never, you never do this. You never do that. You never come through. You never do what you're supposed to do. Maybe you say it to your parents. Maybe you say it to your siblings. Maybe you say it to your friends. Someone who's let you down. Or maybe you say, you always. You always blow it. You always fail in this area. You always mess up. Now, they don't always mess up in that area, but we say that a lot. That's something that can come out. Maybe someone's been doing really good. Maybe someone in your family has been just doing really well, and then maybe they do something bad like two or three times in a row. We can very easily be like, you always do that. Basically, you're always a bad brother. You're always a bad dad. You're always a bad mom. And it hurts. Name calling. I remember getting called names. Lots of fat jokes when I was a kid. It was really hard. We can really hurt people with our words. This is what I want to say to you guys to finish this, though. To finish this, talking about good words, the person we get the example from, please listen, the person we, for words that build up, look no further than Jesus Christ. That's where we find the best words. He's the one who teaches us how to tame the tongue through the words of life. That's what Peter said one time. You guys remember Peter, those of you guys who've been studying John and Acts with us? The apostle Peter, one day Jesus was, he's like, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to follow me? And Peter says, where are we going to go? Like, who else will we follow? You're the one who has the words of life. John 3, 16, you guys know the words. Those are Jesus giving the words of life. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Guys, these words, this is God's love letter to you. If you today find yourself struggling with lying, gossiping, being angry, bickering with people, just anything evil with your tongue, I encourage you to pick this up and let God change the way you speak. The more, you know the term, you are what you eat? Think of this as like a meal. And the more you eat of this word, it's the bread of life, the more it's in your heart, the more you're going to be like Jesus. And the more when something happens and you're in the car and your brother just does something that makes you so mad or your mom just says something that annoys you so much, when your old worldly nature would have made you just yell at them or be disrespectful, the more you have this in you, the more your heart is going to change and the more you're going to see the things that you can't do on your own, God will do through you. These are the words we need to live by. These are the words we need in our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for these kids. God, it's so hard for us to tame the tongue sometimes. It's so hard. For us to not gossip, it's so hard for us to not lie. It's so hard for us to not have a bad attitude. But God, these are things we look at as little matches, but to you, God, you know they start big fires. And we, we've seen and we've heard lives destroyed by gossip. We've seen lives destroyed by anger. God, I pray we'd never think of these sins as just little tiny things, but we'd see them as problems that need to be dealt with. Sometimes it's so hard to point out our own problems, God, but I pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us, God, to follow you with our whole hearts. 
Help us, God, to change the way we talk. I pray that we would use words that lift people up and build people up and not words that tear people down and cause death. Help us, Lord, to understand how powerful words are, and I pray that we would use our words for you. Even if we're mad at someone, even if we're in a fight, even if someone's on our nerves, even if we feel like someone doesn't deserve love, I pray that we'd know that we don't deserve love and you still gave it to us. So how much more should we give love to others? Help us, God, to follow you with our whole hearts and our whole minds and our whole mouths, God. Help us to dedicate our mouths to you and the things that we say. We love you, Jesus. We ask all these things. and Everybody said amen. amen.